On this episode of the Raven Report podcast, we're interviewing the Instagram sensation at Tom the Roman Helmet Guy. Tom produces short videos that highlight battles and individuals who made a difference throughout history. From these short clips, we can extract battlefield tactics, character attributes, and a sense of adventure that we want to emulate in ourselves and instill in our soldiers. Let's get after it. We have a professional obligation for the ethical application of, uh, of force. You can have a growth mindset where you're always achieving for better. This is about us, about our guard, our reputation. We are all in this together. Outthink, outmaneuver, and outfight the enemy. If you wage war, do it energetically and with severity. This is the only way to make it shorter and consequently less inhumane. All right, thanks for joining us again for another episode of the Raven Report podcast. I'm here today with Tom, the Roman Helmet Guy. So thanks for being on, man. Super awesome. Thanks for having me. Honored yeah. to be here. Yeah, so uh, so I I don't know that everybody's going to know your your Instagram account. I am a diehard fan. Absolutely love it. Awesome, uh, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, so uh, why don't you just uh, tell us a little bit about like uh, you, your background, your story, and then how, how that Instagram account came to be about, and we can kind of just go from there. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I actually got started on TikTok. Uh, so I got obsessed with TikTok during COVID where I think a lot of people did. Right. Um, so, so I was at first I was like, oh, I'm way too old for this, which I am. But, <laughs> right. uh, you know, COVID, there's nothing to do. So I started watching this and I saw some history guys on there and I was like, oh, this is really neat. But also I think I could do it and I could probably have this, you know, gimmick over the helmet and everything. So Right. Uh, it took me like a year and a half to actually go from that idea to like thinking it was not cringe enough to actually like try. Right. Um, and uh, people seem to like it. So I don't know. It just took off. And then, yeah, did been doing well on Instagram and things as well. So. Well, there uh, you go. That. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny to me that, that like uh, you're you have like trepidation thinking that, that it's a uh, like a cringe worthy uh, thing. I don't think it's cringe at yeah. all. Yeah, it's really. It's well, awesome. thank you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. I didn't tell anybody that I knew that I was doing it for like until I had a substantial following. I was like, no, like nobody needs to know about this. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. No. Dude, I, I'm telling you right now, like uh, you are the new history channel. <laughs> like it's, it's, uh, thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, okay. Like, uh, you, do you, you don't have a background in, uh, in like any history or background in any kind of like uh, multimedia production or anything like that? Uh, so I'm actually a time traveling Roman soldier, uh, who's <laughs> not, not that, yeah, I'm just an enthusiast and, uh, <laughs> right. I'm, uh, I actually got into history really late in life. I was always a math and science kind of nerd and oh, really okay. yeah, expanded the, the nerd into history as well. So, so what's your, like, uh, like, well, your vocation, like what's your job? What do you actually do? Or is this like your full-time job now? Uh, I have a real job, but, mm-hmm. uh, they're in varying degrees of knowledge of the of the of this side thing so ah, right, right. keep it a little secret for now yeah, underneath, <laughs> yeah. yeah we had yeah. um uh so like do you have a military background at all i don't know no, I, okay. I know i talk about a lot of uh vets and things but yeah i'm actually just i'm just a geek in a helmet so uh. <laughs> right 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 <laughs> no and it's cool like uh i bring that up because uh we had the uh there's a military account called the friday guard they follows like national guard and, and it's basically a big mm-hmm. meme account uh, but he was the same way. He was, he was like, I don't want anybody to know that, that this is me. It's, it, yeah, it's part yeah. of his mystique is just like, no one knows who I am. And uh, which was a lot of fun to play with on the, on the show for sure. Uh, yeah. I was, 
when you asked that, I was going to say like, oh, it's my, my job is classified. And I was like, oh, I shouldn't say that in a military podcast where the job could actually be classified. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, we've, we've had some of those too. Uh, and like and the things that you think are classified, like, you know, uh, like the Roswell landing, like that would be classified, right? The things that are okay. actually classified in real life are like super boring. Like this is a frequency. Yeah. You're like, what am I going to do with that information? You know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you're uh you're just a, you're just a history buff, and that's how how you got got going. Um, what was your yeah. what was your first video? Uh, so my first video, I started off with a series. I think I did a few meme videos of just like you know, I I was trying to do like trending songs or like trending sounds like they're really popular on TikTok, right? Where you have like Kim Kardashian, you're just like lip syncing something over what she's saying. Right. Uh, those bombed. Like I thought they were hilarious. Nobody liked them at all. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but then what I really wanted to do was more serious content. I wanted to do uh, this first series I had was craziest ways to win a battle. Right. So the idea was just like let's just look at the some of the weirdest battles throughout history. Um, to give you an example, I think the first one I did was Hannibal Hannibal Barca, right? The guy that almost mm -hmm. defeats Rome. Uh, he gets exiled after he defeats, after he loses to Romans. He gets exiled by his own people. And he goes around just selling himself basically as a mercenary to these little Greek city-states that are also fighting for their independence from, from Rome. Right. And he defeats a navy twice the size of his own mercenary navy uh, by literally throwing pots of venomous snakes onto their decks. <laughs> right. <laughs> they didn't know how, how, to, how to continue with that. Yeah, because they're like, what the heck? Like, yeah, they don't know if they're trying to jump into the water or not. So, so like, what's your like process? Like, how did you come about like settling on that in particular one? Yeah, I thought that would just be a really cool concept. I thought there were a bunch of. Um, I knew I wanted to do like military history slash like ancient history. Mm -hmm. uh, partly just, be, I mean, that's like my interest, right? And then also, right. I think in terms of the social media space, it's not a really well developed niche. Like, there's a lot of people that talk about history in a very snarky way i think which yeah. can get a certain audience but there's not a lot of people like earnestly talking about like people just doing badass things and like you know right. like actual like military history and things right so uh i just want to come at it with, with that angle and i thought that there'd be a market there and then oh. actually my first go ahead my first video to blow up was a was a uh, army guy dm'd me and suggested doing um this Roman soldier, uh, Roman Roman centurion Cassius Scivus, who is this guy that Julius Caesar calls out specifically in his histories, and was just like this guy was an it was an epic badass, um, and he you know he basically led the defense of you know Julius Caesar's camp during this, I believe it was the yeah his big confrontation with Pompey, uh, Pompey's forces actually make their way you know they're getting defeated but they some of them make their way around to Pompey's camp, and. Uh, Cassius Skyboost with only like a couple dozen men holds the whole forces off of camp and uh, ends up with like 200 arrow arrows in his shield or something. It's like it's that's crazy. Absurd. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, well, that's that's pretty awesome. So, um, yeah, like uh, I think the the one okay. So, like I I remember I actually kind of remember some of your videos. You're talking about your bombs. I thought you had multiple accounts because I was like I was like oh it's that guy oh, yeah. now he's doing like this uh, weird helmet thing. Uh, which, which I, then I started watching. I started really, really uh, enjoying it. The one, nice. probably the one that jumps off the page the most to me that, that I was like, "All right, this guy's got to get on the podcast." Uh, yeah. Was the, I, I'm going to embarrass myself because I can't remember his name, but he was the the uh, the submarine captain that like uh, attacked Japan. That is like okay, so yeah. 
I was like, that is the most badass stuff I've ever seen in my entire life. And then throughout the day, I had two or three other people text it to me. And they're like, did you see this? Did you see this? I was, I was like, oh, yeah. Like, I've That's watched sick. it like 15 times, man. <laughs> I can do It's awesome. So why don't you just like, That's not, not everybody's going to know that. Why don't you just tell that story? Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so his name is Eugene Flucky. He was, um, so he takes over command of the Barb, the USS Barb, right? And he, uh, this, this, the sub had only sunk like one ship. Now, to be fair, it was like in the uh, you know the European theater, not like the Pacific theater, which was more active at the time. But right. you know, it's, it's really not doing anything. And uh, he goes in his first um, what do they call your whatever his first mission, his first mission. Yeah, you know, he's five. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's the word for it. Fair, fair. Yeah. First appointment, he's a uh, he sinks five ships in like ten days or something, right? Right. And it's crazy. Um, and one of the things that I think is really unique about him and one of the things I I think I've learned doing profiling some of these exceptional uh, guys is they're they're not just better at playing like the game, right? Like they're literally playing a different game. Yes. Because, <laughs> right? Because uh, like one of the things he does is the conventional wisdom of sub submarine warfare at the time is you stay submerged as much as possible, um, which means you're going slow, but you're not in as much danger and you just kind of wait for a ship to kind of get in your radar or whatever and you kind of figure out and then you can go for it uh he spends almost his entire time uh, like above water (laughs) and he's just cruising as fast as he can and he's just looking for ships and then he was waiting until he finds the ship and then he's diving down right right and um this is kind of seen as madness but it allows him to do some crazy things right yeah Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. So, I don't want to interrupt. Oh, so, so, so then just the thing that he's most famous for is then, of course, that yeah, he literally basically single handedly invades Japan. Uh, <laughs> it's, his men are the only uh, Allied forces, I believe, to touch ground in Japan and the mainland in all of World War II, which I never knew even happened before I was like reading about this guy. Yeah. And uh, so, what he does is, you know, he's, he's sunk so many ships, he's given his, uh, his fifth appointment, which never happens. Apparently, you get so cocky after four, if you do four successfully, they they go okay like you're gonna get yourself like taken out in the next one right so like you're done right he's so good he talks him into doing another deployment and uh he does get a bit cocky but it works out for him and he he goes and literally just is striping the mainland uh you know attacking various industrial places and he decides no no let's take the scuttling charge for the sub we're gonna row it out on a little boat, and we're gonna blow up that train over there. Right, <laughs> which is pretty wild. <laughs> uh, it's crazy, and it works. And that's uh, uh, yeah. epic, man. So, like that, like uh, and he also used rockets, right? At, at one point, he's got like rockets on board. And he's that's shooting. right. Yeah, yeah. I think he's the first guy. That, I think there was one a, a sub that had rockets, but hadn't actually used them to attack a, a target. I think right. he's the first guy that actually you know uses rockets to attack targets on subs. So those, like, what's so cool about it, and I am by far not, I've never done a day in my life in the Navy, and I've never, I've only been on, like, uh, like submarines that were museum pieces. But I'll tell you, that our, our submarine force breaks down into two buckets. One is you have boomers, and their whole job is to, to okay. drive out in the middle of the ocean and shoot missiles, right? And the All other right. one, are, they call them fast attack subs, and they basically do exactly what he did. Is like their their whole job oh, is nice. to do like clandestine weird stuff and uh, and deliver seals to like you know, these locations to go do those right. types, types of missions. And so it's super cool to see like you get the the future of the U.S. Navy literally in the in between the ears of one guy, you know, and That's like crazy. Uh, it is yeah. crazy. 
yeah um no i, I absolutely i love that one i was like that that has got um audacity written all over it just like what's like the craziest thing that we could do like, let's do that like and and it just you're he's a, a a example that's like this dude is like only limited by his imagination like he just seems to be able to just yeah. do anything you know pretty- yeah yeah so yeah, how did you find awesome. him uh i'm trying to remember i mean i think he was just a suggestion so like the, one of the nice things of having some scale to the the account is that i get like dozens of messages a day of people just suggesting things all right so i'll try and go through and like just feel like okay like for instance like uh yeah, <laughs> yeah go ahead. Okay. uh the number one suggestion right now actually is i got a bunch of albanian dudes that really want me to do Skanderberg. he's like oh, really yeah like i I don't know why but the albanians have all got together and decided we got to do, do so, i mean i know he's, he's an epic guy so i, I get it but Right, that's right. my number one request right now right now so right. it will happen at some point uh, if anybody who's suggested that is watching it will happen at some point but we'll so, yeah i, w- I want to get into like your uh your production process because your your videos are really really good but i don't want to leave the, the Thanks, yeah the the uh the epic dudes like you did another one um i think he's just like in the past couple of days with the scottish mm-hmm. guy that's like uh uh, like he's like charging Normandy with a sword or, or the bow and arrow. Yeah, and yeah, Mad Jack uh, Churchill. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, tell us, tell us his whole story. Oh, so he was uh, he's an awesome guy, right? So he was an officer. He had a broadsword, a bow and arrow, and bagpipes. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he's like quoted. I think he's what did he say? He said that any officer who goes into battle without his sword is improperly dressed. <laughs> <laughs> that needs to be like on every armory in the National Guard. Right? Hell yeah, man! Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. They should bring it back, right? We need some swords. <laughs> well, so like we have a tradition, and the Marines do uh, probably a, a better job of it. But like, there's like the NCO sword and stuff, and you'll see oh, like, yeah. kind of high That's ceremonies, it. the swords come out and things like that. But uh, it's awesome. outside of like you know Army cavalry that they're not as common. Uh, but okay. yeah, I think, yeah, I think we should probably bring it back. <laughs> so fair. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. So, so this dude is doing this in the context of like World War II, right? Yes. So uh, allegedly, there's some, actually, this might have been a rumor or whatever, but like, I think it happened, like, you know, whatever. Uh, he sees five guys, five, uh, you know, Nazi guys approaching, picks out the officer, and he's like, you know, before he gets the machine guns trained, he's like, you know, this, we're going to do it silently, right? And he just gets him right in the in the chest with his bow. <laughs> so imagine explaining to people that like <laughs> uh yeah we got casualties and there's arrows sticking out of them like <laughs> <laughs> well i mean like so um you think about the the moral plane of war right trying to get people to to be defeated rather than be, be destructed like you want them to basically like freak out and just quit because that's the most cost yeah. to win right so you, okay like you're sitting at a battalion aid station and they they wheel in two or three guys with arrows stick out of their chest and they're you're just like Oh no! Like, like that would be so outside of the realm. Of oh yeah. Expect. Like no telling what that that would have. You know what kind of right. Yeah. Psychological warfare for sure. I just did. I just covered a woman, um, Joan of Arc. Yeah. Recently, and I feel like that psychological warfare is just like unparalleled. I mean, she literally was. She literally told, um, wrote letters to like the opposing army saying, "Hey, I'm sent by God. Uh, you have to leave, otherwise you're all gonna die." Right. Yeah. And she's like, I hear the voice of God. He's telling me this. I don't want to, I don't want you to die, but uh, you will die if you don't. And then um, she's literally yelling out to their commander and telling him to surrender. Like she climbs up the wall. She's literally yelling out to her commander, the English commander and saying, you know, uh, you know, surrender in the name of God. He starts like insulting her back and he gets hit by a lucky cannon shot. 
Oh, wow. Really? Isn't that crazy? So the yeah. cycle, like literally people surrender just because they're like, well, maybe she is actually sent by God. This is screwed. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's, that's, that's insane, man. <laughs> like, uh, like, uh, it's, it's so interesting to me that like, if you read like, a uh, um, like Musashi, Sun Tzu, mm-hmm. all the way up in, into like, you know, uh, Liddell Hart and, and like th- these other guys that are more modern, like the, the one thing that, that is, seems to be a consistent trait between all of them is that, the way to win a war is not to kill the other guy is to make the guy want to quit fighting, you know, and mm, like, right, right. How do, yeah. How do you do that in the most, you know, ec- economical way uh, without like exposing yourself? So like, you know, Plucky does a real good job of it. Is that he basically shows the Japanese that like, I can just pop out of nowhere and attack. So maybe you don't want to do that. No, they don't necessarily, yeah. they, the Japanese are a little bit different, but uh, the, the principle is still the same. I think, you know, he's, he's, he's causing those, uh, those psychological like defeats, you know, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. man. And in the case of Joan of Arc, like the only way the English can respond is when they eventually capture her, they have to like they burn her as a heretic. And that's kind of the way to like get <laughs> yeah. their soldiers to be like, no, 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 okay, she wasn't actually sent by God, like she was like, you know, it was the demons or whatever. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> because I think it is so effective that like, oh well, she was beating us and I, I love the story from my favorite story from Art of War is uh when Sun Tzu talks about the guy that defends the walls with just a flute. You heard that one? I don't think so. Yeah, so apparently there's this uh commander ancient Chinese commander and he's vastly outnumbered. He's got maybe like, I, don't, I forget what he said, like a couple hundred guys or something. And there's a real full army on the march. Uh, so he tells his guys, they're defending a city. Tells his guys open the gates wide mm-hmm. and everybody hide. Right. And he just stands on the top of the walls over the gates playing a flute. And supposedly the enemy commander see, sees this and goes, no no this is a trap and he just yeah, right. he just walks away <laughs> yeah. so, very sun Tzu, you you uh win without fighting right. yeah 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 so now that you, you tell the story i do i do remember that so in the army uh, uh military deception course that's like a tight uh, like a case study because it's a big military deception like the because the, okay, the enemy yeah. commander's looking at it going like man like you know if he is that confident there's no telling yeah. what what's inside that city and so let's just like get away from it and so yeah. Yeah, the big game is like to try to like what does that look like on the modern battlefield you know like how, how do we take those lessons and, and put them to work um yeah 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 that's, that's pretty cool um so like what are some other people that, that stand out to you uh outside of, like, you know, Joan the art plucky that guy i can't remember his yep. name. yeah yep. was, who are some of your favorites uh let's see who have i i, I really like ancient history so a lot of the guys that i've covered uh I really like ancient ones. I'm working on one, a Hannibal one recently uh, okay. that's going to come out soon. I think Hannibal is probably, if not the best ancient general, uh, is definitely one of them. Oh yeah, okay. Why? Why do you think that? Uh, just his he completely outclasses the Romans. Right, the Romans are kind of a little bit stupid tactically uh, at right. this point in time. Uh, they're they're kind of just we're going to fight really hard and we're going to like just walk up to you in a straight line and it's going to be fine. Uh, but he executes and like I haven't seen any source call it this but I think it's the biggest ambush in history Mm -hmm. Uh, so he has 40,000 men and he has the Romans are you know walking and they're they're not walking they don't have like you know good infantry squares or anything that they would do in later periods to like march in a a nice way they're walking basically in columns that are not very protected between this ridge and a lake Right. And behind the ridge, he's got 40,000 guys, uh, Hannibal does. So he just, like, all at once, wants a tr- trumpet's blow, pushes them back into the lake, and they're just... And they're done. It, it's a goner, yeah. So. Yeah. 
if I remember, that's the Battle of Kane, um, where they, there's a complete envelopment and then like just basically fight down to a man. Is, is that that's right? His, yeah, the one I was describing was Lake Trasimene, but then there's Kane is even like more famous and, and even better. Yeah, where he right. tricks the, them into pushing forward in the center and then envelops them. And yeah. yeah, I think that's like the classic first example of like the double envelopment, right? Yeah, it is. Like uh, yeah. we we like study that like pretty pretty in depth and i want to say that on uh on the cascade rifles youtube there's a video of us breaking that battle down to where it's it's a bunch of officers nerding out to it so uh yeah and be like why did it why did it happen this way and probably the the most and so like i'm a chaplain and so like uh, the most compelling part to me is is always the psychological side of it not necessarily the tactic you know and uh i remember reading an account where they talked about like the soldiers like in the middle were getting crushed by like everybody out on the outside trying to get away from the fighting to the point where like they they just right. they just stood there and waited their turn for somebody to kill them because they they couldn't go anywhere. And you yeah, think about yeah. the the psychological impact of that that you just you're listening to all these screams and stuff like these people dying and you know there's nowhere to go. What does that do to you? You know, like you yeah, know, <laughs> it's just it's, it's crazy. Wild. It's crazy. And then you know what's wild about the mentality of the Romans too though is um. So I think 70,000 die, but 10,000 escape, right? Those 10,000 that escape, they are like banished, you know, just the lowest of the low considered in, in Roman society. And they beg, beg to like be able to be sent back into the field and fight. And like they, for a long time, they, like nobody lets them. And then I think there's one battle where they let them and they, I think they might've even died, but they were like supposedly oh, like wow. we made up for this. Like we should have stayed there, even though like, I mean, there was no hope in that situation. Like that was the right thing to do. I think if you look at like modern sense of mentality, like they should have fought another day, but uh, it was seen as like, no, we got to go in there and, and do right, this. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. So, like, what do you think led um, to uh, to Hannibal becoming like to being that type of person that can think through things in that way, so that way he could be innovative on the battlefield like that that quickly like that. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, I mean, first of all, his dad was was basically um, his his, ba- his dad was basically like the the emperor of Carthage at, at certain points. So he was the one that he got defeated by the Romans, and that's kind of why Hannibal was like, "This is not happening to me. I'm gonna dedicate my whole life to this." Right. And I think from the age of nine onwards, he was actually like at the side of uh, his father passed away early, so like he's at the side of his brother in law who actually took command of the armies. So he was, you know, basically then. A general's aide until from the age of nine until 26 or so when he takes over right so, so imagine like, that experience yeah like so he's got like literal decades of like study well almost like two decades of study uh in just like like what does it mean to to lead what does it mean to lead an army what does it mean to like fight and like what does it mean to fight well and so he's just like constantly just kind of devoted himself to uh to like kind of like the study of war yeah I think it was much more developed in Carthage. I think like a lot of the Greek influence of having like actual tactics had mm-hmm. made its way to Carthage where it hadn't really made its way to the Italian peninsula yet. Right. There's so much. One of the things I find so interesting about uh, ancient warrior cultures is how many of them were just completely destroyed by their pride and like purposeful unwillingness to adapt. Yeah. Like right. uh, you literally see these stories like so eventually, you know, Rome gets this beat out of them by Hannibal. Like they, they go in thinking we're just like the bravest, toughest guys. We don't have to have the tactic, right? Uh, the screw strategy. And they get that beat out of them by Hannibal because like they learn the power strategy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it literally takes like Scipio to like, you know, copy his tactics 
but with the more the greater manpower of Rome, and then that's how they beat him. But uh, you see, like fast forward two hundred years, when Julius Caesar is talking to the Celtic tribes that he conquers up north, mm-hmm. uh, they literally tell you know he defeats them in this clever battle where they're um, they'd only crossed the river one third of the, you know one third of their army, and he then swoops in down upon them. They literally sent him an envoy, and they go, "That was cheating. Like you're cowardly. <laughs> like what are you doing? Like our ancestors taught us to fight with strength, not with deception. Blah blah blah." And they're giving this this lecture, and. Uh, yeah, it's, it's very clear that their pride means like they can't, they're not learning from these tactics, right? They're like, no, 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 like you're breaking the rules. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. It's like, uh, like I've become very, very interested in like, the um, the role of character in like, in, like mm-hmm. virtue in, in mm-hmm. actual war fighting. And it seems like yeah. you, you look at like Hollywood, it's like the, uh, it's always kind of like these like rough, tough kind of uh, guys are the ones that, uh, that, that ends up ends up you know winning the movie or whatever like they're always kind of rough mm. around the edges, but the reality of it is is that it seems like when you uh, look back through history, the guys that were humble, willing to learn, were hardworking, had all these like, kind of like you know Aristotelian like virtue ethics like done really really well. They do. Yeah, yeah. They, they really kind of seem to to excel. Has that been like kind of like your observation as well? I hundred percent agree with this. This whole kind of culture of like uh, I don't know if like not to pick on this one person in particular, like like 48 laws of power by like Robert, uh, you Robert know, Green. Yeah. 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 Like these, they don't work. That's not true. Like uh, if you, the, the most powerful guys are always building alliances. They're always like guys that you can count on. Like the only way you're going to have people anyway, like, especially in ancient warfare, but I think this even still, you know, a soldier's general, like the people that they, they really like those guys are, going into battle on the front lines along people alongside people like Hannibal was described as the first to enter battle the last to leave yeah um you you got to actually like be yeah, like, like you said have those virtues yeah yeah I, I, it's uh like he's also many memories for me like Hal Moore was like uh was uh like known for that being the first one to step on the battlefield and the last one to step off and he, that that line mm-hmm. even gets a uh, um, brought out in uh, We Were Soldiers, which is the the, the right. battle of uh, you know uh, LZ X Ray, and uh, nice. so so it's, it's very cool that that like you could tell, and if you read any of Hal Moore stuff, which there's there's not a lot, he wasn't a big writer, but the, he did write some mm-hmm. that he was a very well read in history, and so you could tell that he was probably trying to like copy some of those guys. So it wouldn't yeah. blow me down to find out that he read like a uh, uh, Hannibal stuff and was like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna be just like that guy, you know? Dude, I, I believe it so much. I mean, so much of the the greatest generals of history are like our grand strength generals in history are huge students of history. Yeah. Um, like one of the coolest books I think in existence is Napoleon's commentaries on Julius Caesar's commentaries on his war. Oh, really? right. Like, I'm yeah, there's a, Oh, it's so cool, man. Like, uh, so I like Julius Caesar obviously writes this whole, uh, his own account of what he's doing in the battlefield. And then Napoleon goes like book by book and just comments on like, yeah, here's what he was trying to do here. Like, here's how he probably did this. And it's, wow. it's pretty sick. Yeah, that's that's super like so like uh if you read the the U.S. Army's infantry manual like chapter one is all kind of like uh this very intellectual like theory like these are the things that make a good warfighter and they they right. quote Napoleon extensively uh, and and it's all comes comes out of his maxims so like uh, like a uh, one that sticks out of my head is like like a uh, don't ever let your men see you wear a frock coat um and like okay. uh, there's a what does that mean yeah so like he he, basically, yeah. he would go out there and just basically say like hey look you guys are super cold, but you've got all the gear on. I'm out here basically like without, without a jacket and I'm, I'm willing to be here. And so it's kind of hard yeah, yeah. to really like, uh, you know, kind of pick hold and be like, be like really complaining whenever you look at your boss and he's sitting there just like, you know, 
having a way worse of time, you know? Yeah, so true. Yeah, so Colin Powell, like, uh, was famous for for basically saying similar a similar thing. He said, like, you know, like, uh, don't ever uh, let your men see you, like, be hungry, be tired, be, be cold or whatever. Because, like, mm-hmm. if they see that you're hungry, tired, or cold, it's just going to be way worse for them. So, like, you always have a kind of, like, very stoic face on uh, against the elements. Yep. You know, very, yeah, yeah. you know. Very, very uh, much uh, in line with uh, Napoleon's uh, thought process. And so on that, I think. It makes so much sense, too. I mean, if you believe the ancient writers, and I, and I do, they're always saying things like, I mean, Julius Caesar at one point, his lines, like there was a battle when he was fighting up in, uh, you know, now modern-day northern France, where he he almost lost. And uh, what he did was he went where the fight, fighting was thickest, and they were about to lose. And he basically just charged in there, and all of his soldiers were just like, am I really going to like live when this, you know, I'm not gonna tell like my buddies like Julius Caesar died next to me. Right. Like I got to, this they all like, <laughs> all like go crazy. Uh, same thing with like Richard, the Lionheart is known for like always going in there and people would just see that. And yeah, you go like, Oh, like if my King is going in there. I gotta, I gotta be even tougher. Right. So. Yeah. Cause you don't want to be the guy that like goes back home and the King died. And he's like, well, where were you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good. That's a good point, man. Like, yeah, that that stuff is a uh, is huge, and I think we spend. Uh, I don't like the army. The army has like its a uh, uh, moral leadership program, and, and they do put like a uh, you know emphasis on like army values and, and things like that. I don't know that it's sufficient enough to really kind of instill that on people, but I do think the way that you fix it is by like being a good example to the guys below you. So that way, like whenever they get in command or they get into a situation. You you would never want to disappoint the people that you look up to. So like you you think like oh right. man I followed like Bob for years he was like this great dude and like all of a sudden you're now you're in Bob's shoes you're like you don't you wouldn't want to ever have to face Bob later on and have him say like well I'm disappointed in you because you didn't do the thing that I taught you how to how to do and that that yeah. power of that example which really is is super powerful you know and and has battlefield consequences that like you can see throughout history it seems like yeah yeah, yeah. That makes sense. so um like a when you're studying something, like what's your process to do to like, like someone says like, Hey, what about, uh, you know, whoever. And like, like, how do you go about like really kind of digging into him? Yeah. I mean, it, it depends a little bit if it's ancient history, that's more my specialty. So I'll probably know enough to like maybe start diving things. Um, my favorite thing to do is especially when, um, you know, I primary sources like right away. Right. Because if right. you listen to these, uh, modern histories, you're going to get kind of the like, like boring version almost on purpose right like there's almost a sense some historians think their job is to like put the facts in as dry way as possible because like they don't want to be opinionated they don't want to do this you go to the primary sources especially if you go back before like the 1500s they're going to be telling you wild stuff now maybe it's not all true but they're telling you some pretty it's actually much more entertaining than people think to read ancient primary sources Uh, so i'll go back to those and those usually have a lot of interesting tidbits um other than that i mean uh yeah i'll try and find like for eugene flucky there's a great i think it's i think he wrote it himself if i remember uh thunder below he, he, yeah. he wrote a book yeah and that, i've listened to that that was awesome um <laughs> right yeah that's a, a pretty entertaining uh um like i guess like job to have is that like you're interested in it already and then it's like well hey look you know in order yeah. to make this video i'm gonna have to spend all this time doing the thing that i like to, <laughs> to, to do you know and yeah I think, yeah yeah it's really important that like uh so you're solidifying your own learning because you're sharing it with somebody else and that's something that um i kind of like have come to to understand in my i i keep a newsletter and really for more more than me than anything else i'm just basically this is what i learned this week 
here you go here here's for, you know for all you guys and it yeah. it it teaches me a lot so is that your kind of experience that like just producing the videos like makes you understand it that much better oh yeah for sure it's it's been super interesting because yeah I, I really dig into history late so uh i've been doing a kind of weird thing personally the way i've been working through history is like chronological right so i'm right. still not that familiar like you know I'm a history buff, so I know some things, but like I, I know very well history until about 1400 AD, and then I'm going to be like an average like history bro, right? right Beyond right. that, so it's forced me to go into a lot of different areas that I wouldn't necessarily know anything about before, and then uh, yeah, also just becoming known as a history person. I got, I feel like I got to work harder, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, that's a kind of interesting dynamic. That like once you kind of get a, a reputation for something, then you don't yeah. want to like jeopardize it by being anything other than that. So uh, yeah, yeah. It's I've seen that with with a lot of people that also they uh, and it can be kind of like kind of put my chaplain head on. It can be kind of dangerous that like you'll have sure. like a, a stud performing soldier and then all of a sudden they have like a lot of stress on their life because they have to maintain that reputation for being a stud. Like and, it's, and so they're like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, 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 what am I doing now? And uh, it gets to the point where they just That's... can't like you know maintain it and then they crash and burn. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of cool. That makes sense. Yeah. So, what's your the stakes uh, are lower for history tech talker than than stud soldier, but same, same <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> like you got quite you got like almost two hundred thousand followers now, right? It's like one hundred eighty six or something like that on Instagram. Yeah, I got on TikTok. I'm, is my uh, best platform. So I got like one one point three on there, one point three million. Oh, really? Wow! Wow! Yeah, yeah. That's awesome, yeah. dude. But it might get banned. So then, uh, whatever. So, so it just gotta give it away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, in theory, that. That means there will be a lot of people on TikTok that can't access it anymore. Your Instagram account will probably grow. I would think it might grow. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. See. So, so, um, so like a social media. What like so we have a big emphasis on uh on trying to do better on social media because we're mm -hmm. down on recruiting numbers and we're trying right. to uh to reach like Gen Z and so it's like okay, well, how do we do that? They don't they don't listen to the radio. They don't watch TV. They don't you know. Re really read a lot but they they are on social media and so like this is the big game like how do we get on social media so what's your what's your social media tips uh for us that we can like emulate into our own you yeah know, machine uh yeah it's interesting i mean in terms of the content strategy i probably don't know that much. i do think sharing stories of like it's, you know these exceptional yeah. dudes works right because i think that inspires people they want to really like right. go have make their own story but um yeah, in terms of just general social media tips, I mean, it has to be, Instagram particularly is like all about just getting someone to click on it, right? Which is why you'll see like just the, people don't even have to be interested, they can be confused and they'll right. click on your video, yeah, off, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so like uh, you'll see all the time. So on TikTok, it's a little different where it's all just based on watch time. And mm -hmm. so you'll see these completely like crap videos where like they're just promising you a payoff for like right. the 30 seconds. And never comes, but because the, the the payoff was promised and you really believed it for 30 seconds, like you, they got you and they get like a few million views, right? Right, right. Um, so anything that just hooks people's attention right away is 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 good. It's it, like you, you literally have like three seconds is, is the problem. And for, even for my own numbers, when a video does really well, like half people leave within like five, 10 seconds. So, oh, yeah. And then they, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Cause like Instagram now will, will show you like how long people stayed on your video. Right. Cause like we have, we've multiple, yeah. one of our accounts will actually let us see like, you know, when people fell, fell off. And so, uh, so you're yeah. saying like most of your watch time is like, like five seconds or so. Dude, it's always depressing because like 20% of people will leave within like two seconds. Like they just see your face and they just leave. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing wrong? I don't know. But, <laughs> right. uh, 
<laughs> I think it's just like a, the nature of the beast and like the the attention economy. Like they they just go somewhere else, you know. Yeah, um, I was a bit assuaged by it, like comparing with other creators, but that seems to be typical. So I just, I don't know if people are just scrolling through very fast, but yeah, right. it's really hard to get attention these days. It's, it's yeah, crazy. yeah. Well, I mean, you've done a good job of it so uh, so far. So like at least Thanks, you get something figured out. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So like, uh, so you say like like you collaborate with other creators. So I haven't done anything too much now. I've done like, I used to do coldest quotes from historical figures and I did a collab with one guy there. I did like rating Roman emperors with one guy. Um, I'm trying to get a podcast going. So actually any tips you have for me about getting a podcast going? Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll tell you right now, the the way to do it. Um, and cause I, so like a little bit of personal background, like a, I've used podcasts on and off for uh, for marketing purposes and for uh, like keeping everybody on the same page purposes. So like um, as a a small group pastor, I was like, there'd be people that they would be left, but we'd be like in the middle of a study. So I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to record myself and then put it on a podcast. You can watch it while you're gone. Nice. You know, it's, yeah. it's trying to embrace technology to try to overcome hurdles, right? Um, yeah. And uh, it was always a lot of legwork because you end up having to, uh, you to like, get a website, which in the army is difficult. And then, right. uh, then you have to have an RSS, RSS feed on that, which back then was, it was, it wasn't hard, but it was, it was a lot of like legwork and I'm not a computer guy at all. So I have to like kind of figure things yeah. out. And then, uh, then you like technical stuff, like, you know, like how do we, what does post-production look like? What kind of mic do I need? All of the things, you know, that you need. Well, honestly, I'll say like the two big things that if you wanted to launch a podcast right now, mm-hmm. Substack does all of that work for you. So you don't have to uh, oh, like lights keep going off. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. The, uh, Substack uh, like the, you just basically like create your um, your podcast and it, it'll basically say like now do this now click there now whatever and like you'll even integrate like whatever you want to push out a, a a podcast to like multiple different platforms like like Stitcher, mm-hmm. Apple or whatever. Um, right. Like it, it has it all built into it, so it's super super easy. Um, and then for like hardware stuff, like I'm using this boom right mic right now just because yeah, I was nice. dumb dumb whenever I bought it. <laughs> I, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, that yeah. sounds good. I mean, it works. Yeah, I mean, it it works, but it's it's really like I ended, I didn't know that I was going to be just traveling as much to do a lot of these because uh, okay. we do some of them in person and stuff like that. So uh, if I could go back and do it again, I would have gone like all the headsets because uh, it would just it eliminates mm, yeah, so yeah, much yeah. more compact and it's it, it eliminates a lot of problems with like a little mixer board and call it a day. Uh, this doesn't pack very well. The TSA that isn't a, a fan of uh, this going through. They're like, "What is that?" <laughs> Fair. Uh, but yeah, those are the two big tips, man. Like, uh, other than that, it's, it's uh, I, I use a Adobe uh, Audition to edit stuff, uh, but okay. I don't think you necessarily need to. It was just like I was like, "Well, you know, I know this works, and so I'm gonna." And I, I already had it for other things, so I was like, "I'm just gonna, you know, use it to to do that." But yeah, it's not hard. Yeah, it, um, you'll learn a lot. I'll tell you that. So, like, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say my biggest problem. So this is actually one of the second podcast I've, I've been a guest on because I've been turning them down because I did one early on and I heard my own unscripted voice on the podcast and uh, cringe so hard. But I thought this was a cool you know, thing. You guys associate with National Guard and everything. So like, uh, yeah. I was like, I got to do it. But um, yeah, my biggest hurdle is more just the, the cringe factor of hearing my own unscripted voice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, dude, like I'll tell you, uh, you're not alone in that. Like, so whenever I first started preaching, uh, they always say like you need to like record yourself and then listen to yourself, okay. and, then, and then whenever every yeah. time you're like, oh, that's terrible, try to fix that thing. And yeah. so uh, I remember the first one I ever did, I wanted to vomit. I was just like, oh, that sounds so bad. I just sound like a redneck yeah, from the frog. Cool. Like it's just like it's it's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, no, you got a good voice. But yeah, <laughs> well, dude, you, I know. 
but I know the feeling, man. Yeah, like uh, my scripted stuff, I'm taking like ten takes for everything because you know, yeah. it's cringing. But yeah, well, so it's yeah, it's it's interesting. So like, okay, like uh, your your kind of on stage presence is like almost this like stoic, like just like I'm just gonna like just say this stuff and uh, with no emotion or whatsoever. Yeah, you're yeah. actually a pretty <laughs> a laughy, goofy guy. Like uh, it's it, it the, the the like your uh, yeah your Instagram presence is is uh, deceptive because it's not really like kind of like who you are, you know, as as a person. Or it just doesn't seem that way. Yeah, yeah, I don't smile. No smiling in the video. I feel like it would be out of like it wouldn't make sense for the subject matter, right? Like yeah, you gotta right. treat the the subject a certain way. Um, but yeah, in person, I'm I'm not angry all the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, that'd be bad. Yeah. Yeah. So where did you get the uh um the the Roman helmet uh from? Dude, uh, I'm trying to remember the site now. Maybe Medieval Collectibles. Just some, you know, there's some dudes that make them, and yeah, and I, I had it for like a whole year, and I was like, I'm gonna do this. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, and I really didn't think. Actually, you know what? One thing that one of the things that convinced me to do it was we were talking to um, I was talking to some women at a bar, my buddy. All right. And he was, and he was trying to hit on them, and I was just trying to talk. I was ranting about history at them <laughs> and uh, they wouldn't pay attention to him at all. They were just listening to me rant about my weird historical theories. And I was like, I bet you I can do this. I bet you I can make it. Yeah. Right. 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 So. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you ever like, uh, you should like, if you do your podcast, you should like, do episode one with them. <laughs> you can find, find them. Be like, you inspired me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. That'd be good social proof. Like, yeah, just listen and, uh, and laugh and make it pretend like, I'm interesting here and people will think it's it is you know yeah well I think that that's a kind of a a societal uh, observation that people are attracted to like substance like it's like you're mm -hmm. like like here's like actually something that I'm like something substantive that, that I'm talking about it's not just some kind of hollow like advertisement or whatever and they're like oh yeah tell me more you know <laughs> like it's it, that's yeah. yeah yeah I do I think people really do want you know historical educational content it's just that people the people who know the facts don't know how to present the content. People know the, how to present the content don't know the facts, right? Yes. I think as people get more kind of like tech literate, the competition is going to get even more people like harder. Like people are going to, there's going to be more academic oriented folks who know how to do this kind of stuff. Um, right. Just right now, there's just a gap in it. So, yeah. So what, what's the, um, like, uh, what is the, the secret sauce to, to like having like really good content? Cause we, we struggle kind of with the same thing. Like we have like, things that we want our soldiers to know and, and like, like part of the, the kind of like the, the scope of this podcast is, is just professional development. So we have like really yeah. high brain people that come like, you know, like general uh, McChrystal was on our podcast. Uh, uh, it hasn't launched yet. So when we're recording this, it will launch next Friday. Um, and so he's on there. Nice. So we have like, awesome. yeah, we have some like really like high brain guys. Um, yeah. And so like, we're like, how do we get this content to them? How do we make it? So that way a 19 year old wants to, watch read uh listen to it and is entertained by it so like yeah you seem to have yeah. kind of like cracked the code on that so like what's the what's the secret well i mean i can tell you what, what i think works about my format because i have a very specific format at least that i've been doing for the past six months that works pretty well yeah it works great uh thanks man i yeah. think that what works with it is is a few things right like i try and do i literally start every video with like win so-and-so give that person like a badass name did yeah. this right so like uh so like what's a good one i've done when like uh i think i've done like the the greatest sniper or something like that right so when the greatest sniper and so like it gets your attention right away like there in a few ways because 
you're giving a, a cool like nickname to this person, right? So like that that's the attention, that's the topic that is set up in a way that people want to listen to. Right. But there's also mystery because I didn't name that person. So you gotta wait till the end till the name. So you gotta watch it, right? Uh, and some people will know the name of who I'm talking about, but a lot of people won't. So yeah. that helps. But then I think the third thing that people don't understand is like the progressive action of like you start off with like when so and so did this, this happened, right? So you because a lot of people will formulate their sentences naturally, which is more like this happened when so and so did this, right. right? But you've kind of already given the punchline away in the first half of the sentence. So you have to do something like when this guy who's a badass yeah. did this thing. And this is obviously very specific to like, you know, if you mimic this exactly, it's me, my, my, my format, but like, this is kind of what I think works about it is you have the, you know, when so-and-so the badass did this, this is the consequence. And so you kind of get this, um, you can put the punchline at the end and you kind of get the sense of progressive action. Cause a lot, there's a lot of people that will actually do something similar to my content that just doesn't work, which is like, uh, who was the greatest sniper of all time. Right. And that, that'll get no views. Whereas if you do when the greatest sniper of all time did this, this happened, that, that will go crazy. And I really just think it's because yeah. you don't, you can't have any, you can't have any break. Right. I mean, there can't be like any, who was the greatest sniper of all time. Oh, I don't care. Done. Right. Yeah. But when the greatest sniper of all time did this, this happened, it, it gives you, you're stuck for the, you have to like, you have to at least let that first sentence finish. And then you're kind of invested and then you, you keep going from there. So, yeah, no, that, dude, that, that kind of closes the, a personal loop for me. So I'm a freelance writer. And so I, I write right. for outdoors magazines all, nice. of the, all the time. Right. And mm -hmm. uh, most of the time you, uh, you submit a story. They're just like, yeah, I like it. Or yeah, I don't, maybe you get some edits back, but you very rarely get really good uh, like feedback. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, so I submitted one uh, to uh, an, a magazine called uh, Tom Beck, or it's a, it's actually a clothing brand, but they have like an online journal. Um, it, it's called Tom Beckby. Well, the guy that is the editor at large there is uh, Russell Worth Parker, who is actually on this podcast. Sure. He's a a, a marine, sure. um, a, a a marine recon officer. He's retired, and nice. uh, so like I I could talk to him after the podcast. He's like, he's like, oh yeah, you should submit to me. So I sent it to him. Well, he mm -hmm. like. I send my first story off to him. He just like eviscerates it. He's, he says like, That's Hey, like, you know, like, just so you know, I'm an asshole editor. I apologize in advance. And then it completely just annihilates everything that I write. And I'm just, mm -hmm. I, I was like, Oh man, like I was like, I was not like upset. I was like, finally somebody that will yeah. just give me a real opinion. His big, the, well, there was a lot of like really good takeaways in there that he's, cause he's thinking at like a, a wavelength above me when it comes to writing. But one of the big takeaways was exactly what you said. It was just like, he's like, you, you have a, he said, you have a passive voice pro uh, problem. He goes, for this type of work, you have to always stay in the active voice because if in the moment that you, you stray from it, you lose the reader and then this is all for nothing. And so, it, and so like when you say like, like who was the greatest sniper, it's that's passive. It was anytime you use was, you've lost the fight. Yeah. You know, and then yeah, like yeah. You know, then what the moment you say like you know win the greatest sniper that's active he's doing something and people are like yeah in it so yeah I think you're on to something there man yeah a hundred percent I totally agree with you and like to add to that like yeah if you like I, I try and avoid the past tense never possible like like you're saying like historical present you, you know it's better he's he's doing this he's, he's going with this you're kind of it just makes it a little it closes the gap between the action and the reader a little bit right so i think right yeah. well you're in the story like you're like, you're like this yeah. is like this is happening it's, it's something that, that's going on so that's a that's a really good like observation and uh and takeaway yeah for, for that cool yeah so Thanks. like uh, what's your like what's your production process look like in terms of uh, like like the video production because your stuff is like i mean it's like 
a lot of times it's either pictures or cartoons or something, but the way it moves, it's dude, it's like, it's classy. Like, like how do you do that? Yeah. Thanks, man. Uh, so there's a lot of, yeah, the videos take a long time to edit, unfortunately, which is why I'm like <laughs> right. only making like one or two a week these days. Uh, but yeah, I think people really like the, the movement, the pictures. That's basically just, it's called parallax. Okay. Uh, P-A-R-A-L-L-A-X. Okay. The parallax effects. I think actually Ken Burns was the first dude to do it. If I remember my history of the of the filmography of it correctly, right. when he was doing like his uh documentaries of Vietnam War and things. Right. Uh. So yeah, it just gives like a three D effect of photos, but there's a bunch of different softwares that can do it. Um. Yeah, I've used a bunch of different softwares in the past that can do it. But if you look up like a three D parallax effects, you'll find a bunch of three. There's like free stuff you can use that can still oh, really? do it. Yeah, and if you if you really want to, there's like you can do it in Photoshop yourself and really put the different layers in and make it good uh it's not worth it. like that takes like an hour per photo though right so um right. i'll just use the free softwares and it's it, it tends to work yeah uh, like that, you, you build a whole thing off of it <laughs> yeah yeah so i think that's big i think um captions too the younger audience just loves like captions there's even studies where people 65 above hate watching anything with captions but the new generation 60 65 percent of them will watch tv shows with captions no matter what so having um, some form of, you know, grabbing caption is good. It's it's not like a, like a lot of people have started to use them more. Like some of these, I do like very flashy captions in the, in the background, like very prominently, but it, it definitely helps. It's not going to be like a panacea, but it helps a little bit. Right. Why do you think that is? Like, why do you think they're drawn to captions? Uh, I think that the, you know, younger generation has just been, so online like i think attention spans honestly right it's just you can't give and all these algorithms that are so based on watch time you can't give anybody even a chance to to look away so something has to be happening at all time mm -hmm. and at all times and i think also that yeah just th there's a weird thing that i i've noticed this in myself as i've become more like online too much which unfortunately like this <laughs> this has made me like watch too many tiktoks and things right, right. but as your attention span shrinks, things can actually be too slow for you to grasp, like too slow yeah. to pay attention to, yeah. right? Like if you ever like, yeah, you probably experienced this if you listen to like an audiobook with a narrator that's just talking super slow. Yep. Uh, it, it's actually ha literally harder to listen to. Yeah. Um, and I'll forget what they were saying in the first half of their sentence, right? So as attention spans compress, it you it's not just that they can't take in as much information, like they can, it's just you have to do it faster actually. And yeah. Uh, I think the captions actually add to that where like there's something going on that's like keeping you focused. Keeping you focused going. Yeah, yeah, like there's a uh, so there's a YouTuber I'll keep up with. Like on one hand he drives me nuts, but on the other hand, his content is so good and it's so like mm -hmm. I learn a lot from him. So his name's Ali Abdal. Have you ever seen him? Okay. Uh, uh no, I'm not familiar with him. Yeah, so he's he's like a productivity guru, but he's he's probably right. about our age. I think he maybe maybe a little younger. Um, right. and, uh, he just like, basically is like, I tried this, I tried that, I tried this. And so like, there's a lot of things that I've picked up just from kind of like, watching this stuff. One of the mm -hmm. things was, um, uh, was listening at, at uh, audiobooks at two and a half times the speed, which the first time I did it, oh, I was like, this is, yeah, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like I was like, yeah, yeah. and there's even apps to help you kind of like progress up, but he made yeah. this case that I thought was really compelling. He was, he was like, if you listen to a conversation, that's how fast they're actually talking most of the time. And like, you can process this information. It's just that you've gotten accustomed to like regular speed, like, you know, things. And so he, he goes, and it's a function of society. It's not a function of your brain power. And, and to prove the point, he goes back and he's like, Hey, look, 
here's a scene from Gone with the Wind and just listen to how slow they talk. So you have like, frankly, my dear, I yeah. just don't give, and it's just so slow, right? In, into the yep. point where you're like, when you call it out, you're like, man, this is like really annoying, you know? And so all of a sudden yeah. you start to kind of reframe your brain. It's like, oh, I can listen to it like a lot faster. And it actually keeps your attention a lot faster because you have to like kind of be on point listening to it. If you start to, you kind of like, you know, let your mind wander, you'll be like, wait, what are they talking about? Like, and it, it, you've, yeah. you've missed two or three sentences, you know? So it actually yeah. is really good for that. I know. I agree. I'm I'm a I'm a 1.5 to 1.75 uh, <laughs> podcast guy. I but 2.5 uh, that'd be too much for me. But I totally agree that you got to speed it up. Uh, yeah, it drives yeah. my wife nuts. So it's pretty funny. She <laughs> she's just like she's like I don't see how you do any of that. I'm just like, <laughs> you just gonna just train yourself. It's just like a you know working out or anything else. Like you just gotta yeah. like, it. It's yeah. efficient. That's the way to do it. But yeah, it is that. I mean, because like you will take a like a, a 30 hour, you know, biography and you'll cut it down to like, you know, six or seven hours or whatever that math works out to be. And like, yeah. a, you know, when you look at that, like how many books can you read in, inside of a, a year? If you have like an hour commute both ways and, and like we're up in Seattle, so that's very common, you know, so you got right. two hours a day, you can do a, a book a week on just audio books. And like you could program your whole week out to read 50 books inside of uh, a, a, a year by listing it at, at an advanced speed. It's going to keep your attention and keep you awake while you're driving home. Um, uh, yeah. And you just, you're packing your brain full of stuff, which is, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with it, you know? And yeah, then, for sure. Yeah, it's it's uh, super helpful. Um, yeah, like uh, I, I always like use my uh, like if I want to really dig into something, I get it in print, and I, I and I I have like a whole process for digesting that. But if it's just like mm -hmm. a I just want to know this concept, or I just want to know this story, or this background, or whatever else, it's an audiobook, and it's always going to be at like you know super fast. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm the same way, man. I think like two thirds of my, the history stuff I'll you know, absorb is is audiobook stuff because it's yeah, you can do it. You can do yeah. it working out, although it's like it's hard to keep like a high testosterone kind of mindset while you're listening to the audiobook when you're working out. But, <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, it still works. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. Um, uh, Stan McChrystal, I started doing the whole like audiobook workout thing side mm -hmm. by side because mm -hmm. I, I listened to him talk about like, hey, look, um, I, I don't have time to read. Like I literally, most people say that, but like mm -hmm. whenever you're running like all of the Joint Special Operations Command, you literally just don't have time. Like, you know, like it's just like, right. it's like it's not enough hours in the day. So he yeah. started doing uh, things where he was like, okay, well, I'm going to like run and listen to an audio book. And then I, I, yeah. I want to say he listens at, at like an advanced speed as well um, because it becomes, it's just time efficient. It's like, I have to work out. I really need to get this, this book read. I can do them both at the same time. If I just start to uh, kind of program my day that way, you know, yeah. and yeah, it yeah. works. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, that's the way to do it. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, man, uh, we're running up on, on an hour. I don't, I don't want to keep you. I know you got uh, a bunch of meetings and uh, and things to read. <laughs> but yeah, I just want to thank you for coming on. Uh, it's super awesome uh, to have you. Like, uh, I, I absolutely love your videos. So keep keep them going for sure. Thanks so much, man. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. This has been the Raven Report Podcast, the official podcast of the 81st Striker Brigade Combat Team. If you're interested in seeing if you have what it takes to join our team, go to our Instagram and click the link in the bio. Click the join link and connect with us.